We unite our hearts. Lord, we just stand together today breathing in your grace and breathing out your praise, Father, for you alone are worthy despite everything that's going on in the world around us. You're a sovereign God. Nothing has happened that you've not allowed, that you've not ordained for a greater purpose. And we stand on that hope today, God, that we look to that blessed hope, that lively hope, a very present help in a time of trouble. Lord, we just love you. Bless, Father, today in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody shouted amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you so much for coming today. We uh, have a very special time in the house of uh, Northridge Church today, in the house of God. We are a little over a year and a half into our church plant, our church launch, and God has done some amazing, amazing, amazing things. Let's give God a big hand clap of praise. Like with any journey, there's bumps in the road, there's learning lessons. We all try to remain teachable. We have some amazing people that I'm going to introduce to you today that maybe you were not aware of that were investing into my life and helping us as we take this journey and navigate through uh, the things that lie ahead of us. So I want to introduce a few of those people to you. But before I do, I want to deal with one weightier matter. I'm having a granddaughter. How about that? Tyler and Maggie can only give us boys. Ashley and Keith giving us a girl. It's going to be awesome. So anyway, praise the Lord for that. Thank you, church, for praying for both uh, Maggie and, and Ashley, praying for it. We're excited. We're pumped. So it's just, it's just an awesome, awesome time and season in our life. I want to introduce a few people to you, if I may. Uh, I'm going to be inviting up our deacons and pastors. Uh, but let me introduce a couple of people to you that I also want to join up as our deacons are already coming up, apparently. I didn't even invite you all yet. What are you all? Let me introduce a couple of people to you real quick. These are our deacons that are taking seats. And, of course, Pastor David seated here as well. Uh, Scott Swafford, if you will, come on up. Scott is on our board of stewards. Scott has given us wisdom as we take this journey and walk through uh, the building phase, the, the, the loan phase, and all of the things that we're doing as we'll begin to present to you very, very shortly. We've been working very diligently on that. Scott is a great, great man of God, and he's a great friend. And uh, we're so thankful to have him investing in our life. Uh, is Ronnie Hendricks in this building, or is he in... Is Ronnie in here somewhere? Ronnie, come on out, Ronnie. Ronnie is also on our board of stewards, and uh, Ronnie has been pouring into me since the beginning as um, projects that we embark on, our first two buildings that we completed, and we're already engaged in the new one. We have our preliminary plans drawn, so he's been a part of that. Seated next to uh, Scott is Michael Stewart. He is uh, one of our deacons, Ronnie Barrow, Tim Knight, Ben Daniel, who is our director of our deacon ministry, and then we have Pastor David uh, as our youth pastor. Doug Riddick is our assistant director for our deacon ministry. Chad Johnson, uh, Craig Johnson, Bill George, Mark Ellington, Jay Eubanks, and Marty Ellis, who is not only a deacon and over Northridge Outdoors and over children's ministry, he also is back there with his dear wife, Deborah, taking care of your children. Y'all give them a big hand, all these guys up here. <laughs> Amen. We have some more chairs, and we can bring out some more, so I'd like to, at this time, invite up any other ordained deacons that may be in the house with us today, if you would please join us today on the stage as we get ready to ordain a couple of guys in our, in our family today. So if you're an ordained deacon, uh, please, if you would, join us at this time. Awesome. Anyone else? Also, if you're an ordained pastor, if you would like to join us today on the stage as we ordain and charge these two men today, would you please join us on the stage? And y'all pray for Kyle uh, Gooden and Nail. They had a little boy, Levi, the other day. Kyle was going to be licensed today under our ministry. So y'all, y'all pray for them. Yeah, go ahead and give Kyle a hand. Amen. It's a very important time in the life of our church. 
About a year ago, this very time, we ordained the first of our 12 uh, deacon ministers. As we brought before you as a church, you guys made nominations of men that you felt would be uh, good leaders in the context of their home being in order. You'll hear some of those charges today, both for you, the church, as well as these men uh, that are going to be seated before us today, and we'll talk about them in just a moment. But also, as we begin to navigate forward, we realize that the journey is growing. The needs are growing. So we're going to be adding more deacons uh, as we begin to plug these men in in strategic areas. Their job, just so you guys know, their job and their role from a deacon ministry standpoint is to engage you, the lay people, into those roles in a servant capacity. Because we believe, according to the Word of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14, that it's a body. Everybody say body. And the Bible says that if the hand is, is not functional, then there's a miss in the total of the body. So what we want to do is we want to plug everyone in to be able to function at their full God-given potential, amen, so that we, the body, are strong and we're doing things that God has called us to do to reach the lost, to minister to those that are hurting. And you're going to hear some incredible charges today. But before we go any further and we begin with our ordination service, I want to introduce these guys to you real quick, Sean Townsend and Stacy. If y'all would please stand and turn and face them and get ready for your speech. <laughs> Sean Townsend is going to be ordained today, nominated early on and just was praying about the timing of this, but he's going to be a deacon and he's going to be helping and coming underneath Doug Riddick, who is our CFO, Chief Financial Officer. Uh, He is trained in accounting and we're honored to have him. Once again, y'all give Sean Townsend a big hand. Tyler and uh, Maggie Pritchett, if you would please stand and turn and face the congregation. Tyler has been set apart. Uh, I, I, as far as I can remember, I've heard preachers that have poured into my life say he was anointed and he was going to be a preacher one day. And, of course, as a father, I had to be real careful when I went into the ministry in 2001 to, not, um, to make sure that he wasn't daddy called or mama called. I had to set aside and just wait for God's perfect timing. Amen, parents. Amen right there. So what we've done is we've watched in this year in June when we were in our Jamaica missions time, Tyler declared a calling upon his life to the gospel ministry to preach the Word of God, as you'll hear in a moment, and he is going to be just staying in the same capacity as an administrative pastor. So y'all give Tyler and Maggie a hand. Amen. At this time, I'm going to invite up Ben Daniel, who is the director of our deacon ministry, to go ahead and say a blessing and a prayer over this service today. Thank you. Um, Join with me and pray over these guys. Father God, we love you. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in this church. Father, we thank you for the work, God, that you've called us to. We believe in our hearts with with all that we have that you've called us to a great work in your name. Father, I thank you for sending men like Sean and Tyler to step up and and take the rightful place in leadership. Father, I know that there are many others, Lord, and I, I pray that you continue to work on their hearts. Lord, I thank you for these men that are behind me, their wives, their families. Everybody in this room, Lord, we all have a part. And we all serve you because we love you, Father. And we thank you for all that you're doing. We ask your will in all that we do. We give you the praise and honor and glory for it all. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Ben. If you would at this time, make welcome our youth pastor, Pastor David McGuire, who's going to bring the charge to the church. Y'all make Pastor David welcome. Good morning. It's an honor and a privilege to be here today issuing the charge to the church on behalf of Tyler's licensing and ordination into the gospel ministry and Sean's ordination um, to serve as a deacon in this body of Christ. So uh, before I begin, I would just like to uh, just take a brief moment, congratulate these two men. 
Um, they're not just men, they're, they're friends, and uh, I appreciate both of you, and y'all have meant a lot to, to me, and Pastor Mark, as we began this new ministry in Thomaston last year, we couldn't have done it without you. Y'all have been here since the beginning, and y'all have uh, served alongside of us, and um, your families have uh, co- contributed a, lo- a lot as well, not only in, in the youth ministry and serving and helping me, but in many areas of the ministry and the life of our church. So um, I couldn't think of two better men to be sitting uh, right here today receiving this ordination and this licensing. So I just want to say on behalf of uh, Northridge Church as a body of believers, we support you. We put our stamp of approval on your life, and we congratulate you. So if y'all would, please just give them a round of applause. Now, it's my responsibility to charge the church today on behalf of these men. These are not my words, nor are they my instructions, but these are God's words, his instructions found in his holy word. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and following. It says, Now we urge you, brothers and sisters, that you know and respect those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work in the ministry. Live in peace with one another. We urge you, brothers, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone, see that no one repays evil for evil. Always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always and pray without ceasing. This passage, indeed, is filled with advice for good Christian conduct, for us to treat how to treat one another, how to treat our leaders. But its one meaning and purpose is directed intentionally toward the body of Christ the gathering of believers, the local church, and how we are instructed to live and act toward the governing body of leaders that have been trusted over us, set here in place by God. The Bible makes it clear in Romans 13, 1, for all authority comes from God, and those that are in positions of leadership have been placed there by God. So if we want to be a biblical church, Northridge, we must follow biblical instruction. The Apostle Paul pins these words to the Thessalonians, Because the young church community in Thessalonica was not effectively appreciating and respecting its leaders, elders, and pastors. So because of this, problems were arising within the local church, hindering them from the work of the ministry that God had called them to do. So under the conviction and impressing of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul writes to them these three key instructions, these three key commands to, to correct them. The first one is found in verse 12. The Bible says to know and to respect these men who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and those that give you instruction. Church, we have responsibility to know these men. We have a responsibility to respect and to love these men, to get to know them, to know where they're coming from, to know their hearts, to know their story, to get to know them, to hear their testimony. It's our responsibility. These aren't just random people that have been placed here. These have been people chosen by God, ordained by him, our Heavenly Father. So we must respect them as spiritual leaders in this church and to follow their instruction given to them by the Holy Spirit of God. Honor them and those that labor among you and give you instruction. These men will serve in capacities of our church that you may not always see. These men will serve in capacities where they may be behind the scenes, behind closed doors. You may never know. They may never get the recognition or in the spotlight. But these men are working. These men are serving because that's who they are and that's simply what they do. And we're proud of these men. The second command is found in verse 13. The Bible says to esteem them very highly in love because of their work in the ministry. It is our job, church, to appreciate these men. It's our job to tell them thank you when they've done a good job. It's our job to hold up their arms and to pray for these men. To esteem them high in love means to value them and to respect them as the spiritual leaders of this church and to do what God has called them to do. We must be the backbone of their support, church. 
We must stand up for them and stand behind these men because if we don't, who will? It is our responsibility to pray for these men, to lift up their families, to pray for their children, to pray for God's anointing in their life and ask God to watch over them and keep them from falling. It is our job, church, to be lifting these men up and to pray for them and their families as they learn the wisdom that God has for us that they can lead us. The third command is simple, found in verse 13, to be at peace with one another. Peace only comes as we submit to the authority that God has placed over us. For the faithful minister of the gospel, it is submission unto the Holy Spirit of God. For the, fa- for the faithful wife, it is submission to her own husband. For the children, it is submission to the parents. And for the church, it is submission to the faithful minister who is placed over you. Only when these things are in place will we follow the last command that's found in his word, to be at peace with one another. So will you, Northridge Church, as a body, accept this charge to respect, to honor these men as pastor and deacon of this church, to know them, to highly esteem them in love, to support them, and to pray for them, and to be at peace with one another. If you accept this charge, please stand to your feet now and say, I do. I do. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor David. Thank you, church, so much for, for taking that challenge. Next, we're going to bring Doug Riddick, a great friend of mine, a chief financial officer for Rush Ministries as well as for Northridge Church. And we're going to bring, he's going to be bringing the charge today to Sean Townsend as a deacon as well as his understudy as we move forward with the finances of Northridge Church. Doug? It's an honor to be here. Just served this charge to you, Sean. And it's going to be an honor to work with you beside you, Tyler. I've seen what both of y'all have done over the years. I know you're going to be a blessing to this church. Sean, you have answered God's call, the call to serve him as a deacon in this church. And because you have, you also have a charge to fulfill. First, you are charged to love Jesus. We expect to show you, we expect you to show your love for Jesus by striving every day to be more like him in your thoughts, in your words, and in your actions. To fulfill your calling as a deacon, you will need to be like Jesus. You will need to strive every day for spiritual maturity and Christ-like. So I encourage you to arrange your life around those tried but true spiritual leaders that enable you to be more like Jesus. Devote yourself to daily prayer and Bible study, to private and public worship. As Paul says in 1 Timothy 6:11. pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Sean, you will need to grow in Christ. You will need to become spiritually strong because you have been given a job that is impossible to do without the power of God. You cannot be, you cannot be an effective deacon on your own. You're just like Peter, could not walk on water on his own. So like Peter, you must learn to keep your eyes on Jesus, to look for him for strength and insight and wisdom every day. Sean, you are, be, you are to be of a Christian maturity. You are to be the right, you are to be right with God and your family and your fellow man in every way before you can do your job as a deacon. So I charge you to make it your goal to be all you can be for Jesus. Make it your grow spirit, to grow spiritually. You are charged to love this church. Sean, we expect you to love and cherish the Northridge family. So much that as a deacon, you constantly strive to keep it healthy and strong. In other words, you are charged with doing all you can do to keep our fellowship sweet. 
You are charged with preserving the unity we enjoy here at this church. Sean, understand this may very well be the most important thing you do as a deacon because harmony in our church is still one of the keys to the health and growth of this church. Sean, you are charged to be, among, to be out among the people, preserving harmony, squashing gossip, gossip and rumors. You are to support one another and our church staff, both publicly and privately. Sean, that means you're not walking ahead of Pastor Mark or behind Pastor Mark, but you're walking beside him, just like the rest of these men on this stage here. We're here to hold his hands up and pray for him daily and pray for David and now pray for Tyler that they will be in the word of God, that they will be in their prayer closet praying. Sean, you are charged with loving Jesus and loving this church. The last charge, you are charged to love the people of North Ridge. Sean, the most important task you will be given to serve given is to serve our pastor, our staff, and the people of this church. Get to know the people around you and make yourself available. Do your best to make sure no one falls through the cracks. The word deacon means servant, so look for ways to serve the people of this church. Paul says in Galatians 5.13, through love serve one another. Jesus said that when we serve others, it is as if we are serving him. Stacy, you're, you're one with your husband under God's laws and his, his, his biblical terms. Pray for your husband. Lift his hands up daily when he feels like quitting. Satan's coming. Satan's coming to your home. He's coming to your workplace. When you feel like giving up, Sean, keep pushing forward. Stacy, just stand beside your husband, not behind him or not in front of him, but beside him. Encourage him to be the man that God's called him to be. Sean, you're charged to love on people. Serve them as you were serving Jesus himself. Amen. We've had the charge to the church and charge to the deacon. And now I have the pleasure of bringing the charge to Pastor uh, Tyler Pritchett, who is also my son. And if I start preaching, I make no apologies for that. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. It's a very well-known passage of Scripture the Apostle Paul in the doxology of his life comes to a point where his death is imminent. He is awaiting beheading. He's in a Roman prison. And interestingly, he somehow finds the intestinal fortitude to encourage his young protege, his young son in the faith, Timothy, who after his death would go on to pastor churches and to continue to do the work that Paul had done through missionary journeys and equipping churches. But I love the fact that the Apostle Paul of all these men in the Bible who made this one charge, but I believe to be universal today for all pastors, as you will see in just a moment in very short but very poignant verses. I want to read these to you at this time, and then I'm going to apply these to Tyler as a pastor. It says, I charge thee, therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead and the appearing of his kingdom. Number two, verse two, preach the word and be instant in season and out of season. Reprove Rebuke and exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time, and I believe we live in this time today, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap up unto themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth or doctrine and shall turn unto fables. And then in verse 5, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and make full proof of thy ministry. These points that... Paul spoke into the life of Timothy. Tyler, today I speak in your life. The first thing that he spoke is preach the word. 
The word of God is our hope. The Bible says that heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will remain. It was by the word of God that he framed the earth. It's by the word of God that he would destroy the armies of the world. In that finality of all things, it will be his word that will endure. Notice it says preach the word. Don't preach your opinion. Don't preach your agenda. Don't avoid the word. The word of God is a sharp two-edged sword, which means two things. Number one, it cuts into our heart and it removes the marrow to our soul and, and it saves and it liberates and it purifies and it sets free. And all of God's people said amen. But it also judges, and it also conquers, and it also condemns. Preach the total word of the God. The Bible says to preach the whole counsel of God. Tyler, preach the word. Never depend upon your own strength. Because I believe, as any person can attest to, when we speak over the lives of God's people, that if we bring anything of our own volition to the table, we will miserably fail the church. That it's under the power and the impression of the Holy Spirit that lives are changed. In fact, it's not because it's in spite of you and in spite of me and in spite of Pastor David that the Holy Spirit does work. The Bible says that it, preaching is foolishness to those who won't believe, but it's power unto salvation to those who do receive. Preach the word, Tyler. Be instant. Be instant in season and out of season. I believe we're living in a day that we're falling into a more of an out-of-season mentality in the local church. Where the Word of God has become secondary. But see, at Northridge Church, it's our only hope. We're not to preach any other gospel. We're to be instant in season. When there's a receptive ear, preach the Word. When there's not a receptive ear, preach the Word. And as one pastor said, preach the Word always and sometimes use words. Your life is the greatest sermon, Tyler, that you will ever preach. Based upon how you love your wife. Ephesians 5.25 says, love your wives even as Christ loved the church. Your wife is your first order of ministry. Because if your home is not in order, you're not qualified to stand on this platform and preach the word of God to the church. Raise your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Be apt to teach. 1 Timothy 3 outlines the qualifications for both deacon and pastor, overseer. But see, the enemy is, is literally crouching today. The Bible says he comes but to steal, kill, and to destroy. He's waiting, seeking whom he may devour, Tyler. We need to be as instant in season and out of season. Literally, the word means to be standing by, waiting for the moment. At any given time, Pastor David and, and you, Tyler, should be ready at any moment for me to walk out on this stage and say, I'm not preaching today, Tyler, preach the word. And I will do that. Be incident season and out. You know, sometimes we preach things based upon what we've been taught. I had a theology professor who one day I erroneously quoted a thought that had been handed down from pastor to pastor. And I said, and I understand so-and-so. And I said, he stopped me midstream. There were 65 people in my class, and he's a chapter verse. And I couldn't quote one. And what I found that day is that I had, been ta- I had taken information from what I had heard but never knew where it was in the Word of God. need to be instant in season and out of season to take a stand for God's Word. Heard it said by pastors over the years, there may come a point in time where it will be illegal in our country to do what we're doing today. If it were left up to some people, 
This word would be watered down. There's some states that have even already asked to see sermon notes of pastors. Can I tell you something? We won't do that here. If we have to do that, we will show them what we're going to preach. If they say we can't, we'll start a prison ministry. Because we're going to preach the word instant, in and out of season. Secondly, thirdly rather, he says, I charge you to reprove and rebuke. Some of the most difficult aspects of preaching and pastoring is to preach the word with conviction. John the Baptist said it this way, I decrease that he may increase in me. You see, Tyler, you may leave home on a Sunday morning having a bad day. At home, it happens. You bring that into this room and you bring that on this stage, you fail God's people. You have to let your own agendas, your own blocks, your own obstacles, you have to let them fall at the feet of Jesus every time you step into this pulpit. This is an honored and sacred place. If you're mad, you got to hang that up and deal with it, give it to God. There's no room for that. If you're upset and someone has offended you, you walk in absolute and total grace and forgiveness. For God has forgiven you from everything. Someone speaks negatively about you. You do according to Matthew 18. You go to them if they have offended you one-on-one and you share the truth with them. The Bible says if they repent, you've gained a brother. If they hadn't, you come get a witness and you go back to them again. And if they repent, you have gained a brother. And the third time you take Pastor David, myself, Ben, or Doug, or you take the church and you go and deal with them a third time. And if the third time they do not repent and you gain a brother, you put them out. The Bible says that Jesus told his disciples when they went into a town, if they didn't receive the love of Jesus Christ and they rejected the hope found in the cross, watch what he says, shake the dust off your feet and move on. There's some people that God brings in your life that's going to be a problem. But you know what? God brings them in there to refine you, to make you better, to not be dependent upon your own strength, but be dependent upon the strength of the Lord. Preach with conviction so that you can reprove and rebuke. Rebuke, I used to think, was a resisting thing, a pushing someone away. I submit to you, Tyler, and I submit to you, church, today, rebuke is an open-handed welcome. Rebuking is about correcting someone where they have erred to the word, to their own mindset of what something should look like. To rebuke them is to bring them back into proper fellowship and the right way of thinking. Also, as you preach the word, as you reprove and rebuke, realize that there are times that you will inevitably stand in front of God's people and you will erroneously speak the word of God. It will happen because you're human. When you do, be man enough to come and stand back in front of that same congregation and say, I have misspoke this, forgive me, church, and I will continue to go on to study to show myself approved. Then he said to exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. You see, our notion at Northridge Church is to love God and reach people. Very simple notion, but very profound. It's found in the Word of God where Jesus was asked by his disciples, what are the greatest of all the commandments? And Jesus knew there were 613 commandments in the Word of God. And he said, oh, it's simple. The greatest one is to love the Lord our God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he said, but the second one's likened to the first. Love your neighbors yourself. You see, we don't throw the word in there, reach people, just because we want to grab people and bring them into the house. No, we want to love them. We want to encourage them. We want to reach them. We want to equip them. And then we want to send them. 
exhort them with long suffering, great patience, realizing that God's long suffering is the reason that you're sitting here, not only a child of the Most High God today, but as a pastor, as a husband, and as a father, and a son, and a grandson. Every one of you, under the sound of my voice, you're here today because of God's long suffering. We extend that, Tyler, as a pastor. Never turning to fables. The next one says, there will come a time. And I submit to you today, Tyler, that we're living in a day where people want to join a church to hear what they want to hear. Don't break to that. It's the word of God, the end. Sound doctrine, the word of God, the word that he holds above his own name. Never turn away from it. Stay the course. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And you won't finish that marathon, I believe. And I was told by, on my council, there was an 83-year-old gentleman named Jesse Sims. He looked me in the face with his long, old, pointy finger. I'll never forget as long as I live. He said, there's no retirement in pastoring. It's never a time to stop. Because like it or not, man, When you go out in front as you've been ordained as a leader and a pastor and you set the way and you start, well, it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. You're flawed in all ways that everyone else is. But as you begin to walk walk through life and to, to, to maybe be a catalyst in the direction that the church will go and the people that God has trusted you with, if you turn back and you fail and you say burnout and you say words that are not in Scripture, that not are found in the Word of God, you cause people to fall. Never quit. Endure. And then he says, stay alert, be sober, watching for the enemy's attacks. I used to think that once you became a pastor, you had the answers. I used to think that when you became a pastor, that everybody would love you. In fact, the opposite is often true. You have to make tough calls. You have to make calls that are given by God in realizing that it will not please everyone. But it's not found anywhere in this passage or anywhere in Scripture that our goal as a pastor is to go and be a buffet to all people and please everyone. Our goal is to please God with everything we have, everything we do, and everything we say. Preach the Word. Realize that the enemy is going to attack first and foremost. He's going to attack your marriage. Because, see, the marriage is a picture of the church. For Jesus is the husband and we're the bride. We're waiting for that day in John 14, 6. He said, I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come again. And we're, we're waiting as that bride without blemish for that moment where he calls his church home. And, and you will be attacked because it is a parallel for two reasons. One, it's a picture of the church. But secondly, because if he can destroy your marriage, he can destroy your children, and he can destroy your ministry. Always, always fix your eyes on Christ. I say this respectfully. But Maggie cannot be the object of your affection. First and foremost, you have to keep your eyes on Jesus Christ, number one. Secondly, and I mean secondly before the church, the next order of your ministry is Maggie. And then God has trusted you with wonderful, a wonderful son and another one on the way. If your home is not in order and quartered to 1 Timothy 3, every man on this platform, and myself included, and every church member has a right to say his home is not in order. Therefore, he is not qualified. doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. You're going to fail. But you know what, Tyler, when you do, don't be afraid to stand in front of God's people and say, pray for me. I'm a man just like you guys are, and I need your prayers because I'm flawed. 
Pastors are not perfect. Pastors are just on a different trail, going to the same end to magnify and glorify the name of Jesus Christ. Realize also that when the enemy does come against you, that greater is he that is in you, Tyler, than he that is in this world. Not because you're a pastor, but because you're a child of the Most High God. James 4, 7 is one of my favorite verses. Draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Resist the devil, the Bible says, and he will flee from you. Don't be afraid to be like me and just speak out loud in your home the word of God. Read 1 Corinthians 13 out loud over your room, over your home. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love endures all things. Don't be afraid to speak out loud to the enemy who is a defeated foe according to Revelation. It's all over. His days are numbered. Speak it over his life. And that's how you can endure the attacks. Probably the hardest part and I put this down as a sub note because I was waiting to see if the Holy Spirit would impress me to say this, Tyler. The hardest thing that I've ever, ever done in ministry is to love on people, to treat them with respect, to treat them all the same, to, to, to encourage them, to teach them, to walk with them. Flawed mistakes along the way. But at the end of the day, just I just love people. And you do too as a pastor. But the toughest thing is to love people, pour into those people and have those same people hurt you. But see, the word of God says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. And he also says, you don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but of principalities and powers and rulers of darknesses in high places. You need to realize that this scenery will change over the years, but this one cannot. Keep your eyes on Christ. Realize that a captain never gives up his ship. And as a pastor, that's exactly what you're doing. You're a captain over one area as you navigate people to the person of Jesus. And then finally, I love this. Make full proof of that ministry. As you do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of that ministry. An evangelist is one who shares the gospel incident season by preaching the word and telling people about Jesus Christ. I've had people ask me before, say, well, why, do you, why do you think you've seen so many people come to the Lord at rush events and all that? Because we give the gospel. I believe when you put it out there, Tyler, people will receive it. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, Romans ten thirteen. And we stop there sometimes because it sounds real, real amazing and, and it's a great end to a perfect day. But it goes on to say, how will they call in whom they've not believed and how they believe in whom they've not heard and how can they hear without a preacher and how can a preacher go unless he be sent? Beautiful are the feet of those who are sent to preach the gospel. You're being sent today to do the work of an evangelist, to preach through thick and thin, because God said through his word, I have come to seek and to save all that which is lost. God help us. God help us, church. God help us, Tyler. That if somebody or people walk through that door that look different or believe different or act different or smell different or have a different lifestyle, let me tell you something. The gospel is for everybody. The gospel is for all men. We don't have to endorse how a person acts or what their lifestyle. What we have to realize is that the gospel can clean us up from the uttermost, the guttermost. It can set us on a rock. It can change lives. All you got to do is preach the gospel. The door is open.
to anybody. Whosoever will, he said, let him come. God, help us to apply that same paradigm as an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. And here's why. Because I believe that you have a full God-given potential that you will never tap into if you don't relinquish self and allow God to rise up in you. You will never step into your full God-given potential. And there's never, ever, ever going to be a day. If you live to be 100 years old and you're still preaching the word, you still have something to learn. Be teachable. Every time I read this book, something new is unfolded to me. Make full proof of thy ministry. Bring your wife alongside. Bring Beckham and bring your son alongside of you and let them see. And you know what? Be honest with them. Ministry's hard, but you know what? It's worth it. It's worth it. Because you are going to change the world. And don't ever set your sights on, I want to be like that guy. You need to be like you. You need to do what God has called you to do. And I'll end where I started. Preach the word. Just preach the word. See, the word is absolute truth. You don't have to defend truth. If you preach the word and it falls wrongly on someone's ears and they come to you, you have no apology to offer. You just turn the word loose. It's like a lion. You just turn it loose and it'll defend itself. Preach the word. Tyler, I ask you, if you will, you and Maggie to stand at this time. Sean and Stacy, I ask that you stand at this time. Sean is a deacon minister overseeing a very, very important part of our church. You will see information that I believe is sacred between a giver and God. I don't know and I don't want to know who gives or what they give or what they do. It's very sacred. Stacy, pray for your husband. There's going to be days where he and Doug are going to sit and, and wonder things financially. Give them, pray that God will give him the wisdom to walk in absolute truth. Sean, the same as I've told Tyler and as you've heard Doug and charge you as well that's your first order of ministry your wife your children then your church but see the church is not mine it's not David's it's not Northridge this is the church of Jesus Christ huge responsibility we have to be stewards over what God has entrusted us with and I want you to know that every man on this platform and myself included we're here for you to take this journey with you we believe in you this church believes in you and we appreciate you do you take the charge that Doug has given you today as a deacon? Tyler, every man on this stage is, is rooting for you, standing with you. Preach the word. It's very simple. Preach the word. Love people. Don't put on a WWJD bracelet. Put on a Philippians 2 mindset and put on the mind of Jesus Christ. Humble yourself. He said he humbled himself even to the point of the cross. As a pastor, you're not over anyone. You're subservient to everyone. Love them. Serve them. Tyler, today you've been charged to be a pastor of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you take this charge today? Y'all may be seated. At this time, church, I would ask that you not just sit quietly, not just observe, but we're going to file by as a, as a church governing body, pastors and deacons, and we're going to lay hands on these men and we're going to pray for them. So what I do is I ask that every person in this room enter into a posture of prayer a posture of hope and, and believing and faith 
God is going to use these men to do great things. And I want to pray one specific prayer, and I want you to agree with me. As Hosea prayed over his wife, Gomer, that a hedge of thorns be around these men and around their marriage and around their ministries and around their children and around their home. Someone asked at this time, Pastor David, if you would leave, Ben and then Doug and then the other men fall behind. And we're going to go down and we're going to lay hands on these men and pray. So church, I ask if you will, bow your head with me. And let's enter into a posture of prayer at this time to lift up these men to a holy God.